Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Finish Strong Friday presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app. Actually, it's a teaching tutorial Thursday, but whatever. It's it's a long story. Anyway, all that matters is you're here, and I've got winners. Lots and lots of winners, Bri. I want winners. I want people that want to win. I want people like, spread the word winner, Wyatt Quinton, Instagram. How easy is that, Wyatt? Literally, all you did was follow at Ross Tucker Pod on Instagram. You liked one of the posts from at Ross Tucker Pod, one of the highlight clips from a show, and boom. Now you can email me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and let me know whatever you want in terms of a signed picture, a signed football card. I've still got some awesome signed press passes. It really is that easy, Wyatt. Congratulations. The sponsor confirmation email winner, Mike Wilson, Raycon earbuds. Love it, Mike Wilson. Love me some Raycon earbuds. Evidently, you guys do as well. A lot of you take advantage of the Raycon earbuds offer. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Mike. And the YouTube shout-out, probably long overdue, because Kelly Garrigan has just been phenomenal on YouTube, watching the clips, commenting. So, Kelly, let me know who you want me to give the shout-out to. I will gladly do that. It's a cameo style show. So just like when people hire me to on a cameo to do like a 40-second video, same type of thing. Just let me know. Email me, Ross at RossTucker.com, who you want me to give the shout-out to. I want to give a shout-out to Greg Cosell for coming on to talk edge rushers on The Big Show. The Big Show. All right, Greg. I'm not even going to – you know, usually we talk about <laughs> the, or debate like the importance – of the position, yeah, I don't think anybody needs us to tell them how important edge rushers are for NFL. I mean, you need to have a quarterback, and you need to have somebody, people that can affect the quarterback. But I would have a tough time disagreeing with that. Um, you know, you know what's fascinating though. Just as a quick aside, I, I wonder now with, and again, it doesn't take away from the importance of edge rushers. But I wonder if in today's NFL game, where we see a lot more 
quick game, a lot more three-step, a lot more quick five-step drop by quarterbacks, um, a lot more RPO concepts if the importance of interior rushers will increase. Um, again, you always want edge rushers. It's always going to be long yardage. We know that third down is the critical down in the NFL, the possession down. But, uh, you know, one of the things I think about as I watch the NFL uh, before we get into the edge rushers this year is just how the NFL game keeps changing and evolving. And uh, I think that's one of the ways in which it is. Totally agree. I mean, I, I, it's, I don't know who we consider to be the best edge rusher, right? But whoever that is, I think you'd rather have Aaron Donald. It's I mean, a great I, question. I mean, I, I, again, I you, you know, let's say it's Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa. Whoever, I think you'd rather have Aaron Donald. Now, it's weird because an interior guy can be doubled by two offensive linemen a lot more often and a lot more easily than an edge guy. Well, it's funny you say that. And that's where you get into the increase in multiple fronts in the NFL. How many teams now line up in those tilted fronts out of their sub, Ross, where they go with three pass rushers to one side of the offensive center? And and the, the Rams did that last year. And sometimes Aaron Donald would be the wide nine defensive end, either to the tilted side or to the single defensive end side. So, you know, this is the the wonderful thing to me. One of the reasons I love football so much is the tactical chess match and the constant evolution on both sides of the ball. And it, it's not just, you know, what you said is true if you just want to line up with, let's say, in your sub front with two, three techniques, two wide nines, and, and you don't blitz, then obviously the center is going to go to the, the side of the better interior pass rusher. And if it's Aaron Donald, they double Aaron Donald. But defenses know this, and they're not just going to line up like that anymore. No, you're right. And at the end of the day, these coordinators are scheming to try to get guys like Aaron Donald soloed. One-on-one. On one. One right. On one. right. And then offenses are trying to do whatever they can to not let them get the one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, that's really what they're all trying to do. Obviously, defense would love to have guys come free when they blitz, but when straight rush, they're trying to manufacture – it's almost like in basketball where you're trying to get touches for a certain guy. In football, you're trying to get singled up blocking. You're trying to get one-on-one -on for certain guys as much as you can. I remember years ago when I did the book with Ron Jaworski, The Games That Changed the Game, and we did a chapter on Dick LeBeau and the zone blitz. And I remember talking to Coach LeBeau, and he said, in the NFL, you don't get guys clean. That hardly happens. He says if it, if it, if it happens – Great, but he says that you can't really – you're not scheming to get guys clean. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. He says you're scheming to get favorable one-on-one -on -one matchups to speed up the quarterback. He said that's the goal. So you're 100% right. That's a really – that's a really – LeBeau was the man. Yeah. I love that guy. Um, all right, let's talk about the edge rushers coming out. It doesn't feel like, you know, every year, Greg, you have the Chase Young – the Nick Bosa, the, you know, top five guy, generational talent. Doesn't feel like we have any of those guys this year, or at least projected right now as prospects, those type of elite top five, top ten talents. 
No, well, it's funny what you just said is every year we seem to have a generational talent. Uh, but you're right. This year, this would not be viewed probably as a great prospect edge rusher class. Now, we know some of these guys will be really good. That's the way it works. But just looking at them as prospects, I think people feel that there's not that guy. Um, I'm going to start with a guy, Ross, if I could, that maybe is is – I know people who follow the draft certainly know about him. I don't know if he's number one on people's edge rush board, and that's okay. But I think the most fascinating prospect of the edge rushers is Jalen Phillips from Miami. And he was a transfer from UCLA, and he came out of California as a five-star recruit and a top-five recruit in the country and went to UCLA, had some issues, I believe, off the field. You know, I don't get into that. I know it impacts where guys get drafted, but I'm just watching tape. Um, To me, this kid has everything you look for when you look for a defensive end edge rusher. He's got size. He's got length. He's athletic. He's sudden. He's explosive. He's got flexibility. He's got power. He's got balance. He competes. I think he checks all the athletic and physical boxes. And, uh, you know, I could see this guy as a 4-3 D end. He's got prototypical size and length. You know, he's the kind of guy to me that a Mike Zimmer would go, that's the kind of guy I want. So it's funny that you mentioned him first because I called his All-American game, the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, when he was a senior – And, Greg, I've done five or six of those, I think. And I've seen Christian McCaffrey and Marshawn Lattimore and Sam Darnold, Trevor Lawrence, like all kinds of guys, right? I think the guy that, in my mind, was most clearly going to be a first-round pick was Jalen Phillips. He was a senior in high school, Greg. He was 6'6", 245, 250 with a great burst. He had awesome usage of his hands. I mean, he already looked like a college junior right. that was good enough to be drafted. I mean, he I, I remember saying, like, this guy's going to be a first-round pick. He was that impressive in high school. And I don't know what I, – I, I saw he retired and concussions and all, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he's got the, the off the field and the medical. If he was a clean player, and again, I'm just saying if, and he's not, to me, he'd be a top 10 pick without question. I'm not saying he'd be generational. I don't I don't use words like that um, because until a guy plays in the league, I, you don't know. But to me, he's got the best traits of any pure edge rusher in this draft. And whether he's drafted as such, there's multiple variables that come into play. But it's interesting what you said, because I could see this kid in high school just being so much better than everybody else that he's playing against. The guy that's ranked number one by most people I see is Aziz Ojolari from ah. Georgia. Interesting body type at 6'2", 241, Greg. What did you notice from Ojolari? Yeah, he's a really was a fun player to watch. And um, I, even though I watch a lot of SEC on, on TV, it's probably the, the conference I watch the most during the NFL season. I didn't know a ton about him. He's He has the look in a base defense of a 
three, four outside linebacker or a five, two is what a lot of teams play now with those reduced fronts, you know, as an outside linebacker in, in a base and then an edge rusher. And the thing that stands out about him is he just plays with tremendous balance. I mean, this guy is, is the balance and that he has, because I wouldn't call him a sudden guy. You know, it's not one of those guys who go, wow, look at him move. But, Man, he just – he has bend, he has flexibility, but the balance is really, really remarkable, and he is naturally powerful. I think he's more methodically explosive than sudden explosive, but his flexibility and balance at the top of the pass rush arc, and you know this as, a, as an offensive lineman, Ross, at that top of that pass rush arc, that's where it, the wins and losses occur. And he just has tremendous flexibility – balance, body control, and then he can close with burst. And I'll tell you what, I don't know your thoughts on this. I know you play more interior line than tackle in the NFL, but arm length is, for a guy who's only 6'2 and a quarter, that's what he came in at at Georgia's Pro Day, his arm length is over 34 inches with a tremendous wingspan, and that's a factor for a pass rusher. Well, it just enables them to be able to affect – the body of the offensive lineman before the offensive lineman can affect them, right? Because yep. 34 inches and then he one-arms you. He's going to be able to get into you before you can get into him. He's going to be able to use those hands. The other thing is short can sometimes be a real benefit or shorter, you know? Yeah. And 6'2 is not short, but I think about Freeney – and James Harrison, I think people would be stunned if they saw just how short James Harrison is. Oh, I know. I, I've seen him. <clears throat> and, and I've actually been around Dwight Free. I've interviewed him numerous times in my career. And, it, you know, sometimes when I see these guys, I'm blown away by how short they are. Right. But that can be a weapon because there's not as much surface area to hit. They're going against a six, seven offensive tackle. It's hard to get down there. You know, yeah. if they're coming off screaming low off the edge, it's hard to get your hands down there. All right, let's move on. Uh, how about Quiddy Pay from Michigan? Another one, 6'3". So he's not, you know, your typical 6'5", 6'6 guy. 271 pounds, though. A little bit thicker yeah. body build, Greg. Yeah, now he's he's a little different guy as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's got functional strength. He's athletic. I mean, I, in high school, he was uh, part of a 4 by 100 relay team. So, I mean, this kid does have athleticism. There are times he flashed sudden explosive movement traits. He can redirect. He can change direction. I think he's got really heavy hands. You could certainly speak to that as an offensive lineman, what it means when a guy has heavy, strong hands, because then they can control and displace offensive linemen. Um I think there's still much to unlock with with him athletically and physically, but he's got a, a good traits profile. He's not long. He's got a sturdy frame. He does not have a long, sleek frame. He's clearly more compact and dense, you know, and he's got a very strong-looking lower body. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's seen in sub-fronts as an inside pass rusher as opposed to an edge pass rusher. That's interesting, and I think some teams like that. They like a guy that can play outside in early downs and then for sub rush inside. They like that versatility. Yeah, and again, you know, it's funny you mentioned 
that we came off uh, Ojolari to talk about pay. Pay looks compact and dense. Ojolari looks longer, even though he's shorter. It's just body types, you know? So when you watch Ojolari on tape, you know, he doesn't look like a short, stocky guy. He looks longer, whereas Pei has that compact, dense look to his frame. What do you think about Jason Alwe from Penn State? He's an <laughs> interesting guy. He, he uh, um, you know, obviously is a physical phenom. He's a but freak. then he had zero sacks this year that people are concerned about. Although I, I was surprised when I saw he had zero sacks because – it felt like he was more disruptive than that, hitting the quarterback, getting in the backfield this year. Well, I'm just going to throw a name out. Not that the comparison is exact, but Danell Hunter had one and a half sacks in his total college career at LSU. So I think sometimes you got to leave that alone. Um, this guy is a freak. I mean, his he is athletically off the charts. Um, I don't think he really knows yet how to rush the quarterback. But the way he moves at pro, I mean, I, I don't know if Penn State had their pro day yet. Um, maybe you know. I don't think so. I think it's coming up either today, tomorrow, or Saturday. But um, uh, but anyway, the point is, is he moves with twitch, bend, burst, change of direction. He this guy is just athletically freakish. He's loose limbed. You know, we'll see where he goes, but. He's he's fun to watch. He just didn't have production as far as sacks, and and that could happen for any number of reasons. You know, it's interesting, Greg, because the next guy, Gregory Rousseau, he took the year off. He he opted out, and I think he opted out because he had had such a good year uh, in 2019, and people were talking about him as a top five, top ten pick. So he thought, well, I can't go any higher than that. And now you look at him and he's listed a little bit lower when people rank the defensive ends. I don't yeah, know. He, did you go back to 2019 and watch Rousseau? I watched I watched Rousseau. I watched about six, seven games from, from 2019. Uh, I think he's got a lot of work to do. I think he needs to become uh, a lot more refined. He tend, has a tendency to come off the ball too high. Um you know, he got a lot of his good work done in 2019 when he lined up inside, either as a zero technique or a three technique working against guards and centers. I don't think he's an edge rusher at this point in his career. Um, I think that he'll check a lot of boxes physically because of his length and his size, which you can't teach, obviously. But I think you're projecting him based on what you believe he can become with coaching and development as opposed to what the tape showed. I don't think the tape shows a great player despite great numbers. I think he had 15-plus sacks, 19 tackles for a loss. Um, he's a strong prospect. I just don't know if he's a true edge player. I'll give you an example. He's about the same size coming out as Marcus Davenport was coming out of college. I thought Marcus Davenport was a better prospect than Gregory Rousseau. Interesting. All right. Can I mention one other guy who you'll no one will know about, who I was blown away by his tape, and I'm fascinated to see what he'll do in the NFL? Go for it. Jordan Smith, UAB, who was originally a recruit at the University of Florida. 6'6 and an eighth, 255, arm length over 33, tremendous wingspan, Knew nothing about this guy. A scout friend of mine told me, watch Jordan Smith. 
this kid is to me one of the most intriguing defensive prospects in the draft. Size, length, athletic ability. He can rush the quarterback. Um, obviously, a big time recruit initially at Florida. Um, probably, uh, you know, in a base, an outside linebacker. But maybe, uh, you know, the Minnesotas, the Seattles, the San Francisco's, maybe now the Jets with Robert Sala would see him as a D end. Uh, I, I'm fascinated to see what happens with this kid because I think he's got major traits. Wow. All right. Interesting. Out of these other guys, Greg, whether it's Carlos Basham, Joe Tryon, Joseph Osai, Peyton Turner, Ronnie Perkins, any of those guys jump out to you at all? Well, Joe Tryon's another guy that didn't play this year, but I loved his 2019 tape. Uh, another guy I'm really fascinated to see because, you know, obviously he didn't play, but I, I really liked him as, as a player. I thought that he'll be really good in your sub-defenses. Um, he's got natural quickness. He's got a very strong pass rush profile as an edge rusher, but he can also be used as a joker, meaning you can stand him up, move him around your defensive front. Um, that adds value in the NFL with the increasing emphasis on multiple front looks. He's a kind of a multi-positional sub-front player, and that has tremendous value in the NFL. And I think he's just scratching the surface. You know, and it's hard to know because he didn't play in 2020. But I, I watched, I think, six or seven games in 2019, and I really liked him. Plus, he's got what I would describe as an outstanding playing personality. He made a lot of plays with competitiveness, effort, desire, pursuit, and that means a lot on the defensive side of the ball. It absolutely does. means a lot to have you each and every week here, Greg, on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Phenomenal stuff. I say it all the time. He is the best at what he does. Make sure you go to fantasypoints.com. Use the code 21FEAST, 21FEAST, so they know we sent you to read up on all of Greg's draft profiles. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Awesome stuff from Greg Cosell. Speaking of awesome, it's Final Four time. Get fired up. Go to DraftKings. Use the code Ross. Bet $1 on any of the final four teams. Get 100 bucks if they win. Enjoy the action. Should be an absolute bat blast. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone. Throw the code in, Ross. And regular. just get the regular DraftKings DFS app on your phone while you're at it and throw the code in, Ross. Tucks takes. Ross, let's start today with the Seattle Seahawks. Wide receiver Tyler Lockett gets a huge extension from the Seahawks. Well, he deserves it. I don't know, Bri, whether or not this lowers his salary cap number for 2021 season or not. My guess is it probably does, and that was part of the incentive that the Seahawks had to go ahead and give Tyler this extension now. But he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's been so reliable. He's in everything they've asked of him on and off the field. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. And this is already his second big contract that he's gotten early in his career. It's kind of crazy. My rookie year, Bri, with the Washington football team, Kevin Lockett, his dad was one of our receivers. And now his son is on his third NFL contract. He and Russell Wilson obviously have a great thing going on those deep balls. He's been unbelievably reliable, deserves every penny. These are the, you know, he's a top five player on the football team. Those are the guys that get big money like this. Tux takes. 
talk about the Indianapolis Colts. They signed tackle Julian Davenport and guard Chris Reed. So this is really smart by Chris Ballard, the GM for the Colts. And this is what you should do, right? I mean, before they signed Sam Tevy, now they bring in Julian Davenport, Chris Reed. Both of these guys are still young, and they both have a bunch of experience in the NFL. They're guys that you don't want to be starting for your football team. They're not good enough. You don't want them to be starters. But injuries happen, and they're very affordable, very competent guys to come in off the bench and get the job done. You know, the Colts' offensive line has been remarkably healthy the last couple of years. There are some people that will tell you that that simply cannot continue, won't continue, and then at some point they're going to have some injuries up there. Davenport and Tevy give them competition at tackle if they're not able to get a high-ranking draft pick to come in and compete at left tackle. So now they've got two guys with a bunch of starts to tackle, which makes sense, and Reed gives them a guy in the interior who's got a bunch of experience. So these are championship-caliber moves by Chris Ballard. I talk about that a lot, but making sure you are covered in the event of an injury and that you've got a guy that's good enough to allow you to continue to win. Takes. Kansas City Chiefs make a move by signing center Austin Blythe. You know, this is interesting to me. And we haven't seen the financial terms. My guess is it's not real good for Austin Blythe. And that's surprising. It's a couple weeks into free agency now because this is a guy that has been really durable for the Rams. He has started at guard. He has started at center. I mean, he started at right guard when they went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, started at center. I think he's a good player. Obviously, he did not play well enough on tape in 2020 to get a big contract, but some of these guys are getting, you know, 10, 12, 14, 15 million dollars a year. And I think the Chiefs probably just got their starting center for a lot less than that. I think Austin Ryder is still out there. You know, the Chiefs center this past year, he hasn't been signed. So some of these teams, you know, the, the free agency is interesting. A lot of, you know, some of these guys get paid a lot of money. Other guys, it's like they have to scrape by just to find a job. And I think he'll end up starting. Very curious to see what the money is there. Takes. Final news item out of the day uh, comes out of Los Angeles and the Chargers and, well, the Spanos family. A little bit of uh, sibling, I don't know, how would you call it? you got three siblings against one on the uh, on the state of the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, it's been a busy couple weeks for the owners. If you think about you know them obviously voting for the 17-week season, and you've had Daniel Snyder buying out the minority shareholders of the Washington football team. And I think what happened is, is, and maybe this has been going on for a while, but uh, one of the Spanos children said, I want to get bought out. But I think the other three realized they don't need to do that. They don't need to buy out uh, the one that wants to be bought out or is trying to force the sale. So I don't know. Look, I, I'm not in their financials, but seems like she wants to cash out and there's not an effective mechanism for him, for her, her to do that. So she's trying to force this, this sale, but it sounds like if there's three siblings that don't want to, I don't know how that's going to end up working out for her. I, I, I don't know why they don't want to buy her out at a fair rate, but I'm sure there's some reasoning or logic behind it that is over my head.
Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address, ross at rosstucker.com. Again, ross at rosstucker.com. You guys know the drill. You take advantage of any of the sponsors over on the sponsors page at rosstucker.com. Any of them. Send it to me, ross at rosstucker.com. Ask me any question you'd like. I'd love it. Today's question, Ross, uh, from your friend Joe in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Can you rate the teams you played for? I know Buffalo is number one. Is there any team other than the Eagles that you wanted to play for? Uh, Brian, do you know – what do you know about Lancaster, Pennsylvania? First of all, have you ever been to Lancaster, Pennsylvania? I have not, uh, but I know it's not pronounced Lancaster. It's Lancaster. How do you know that? Because uh, I dated a girl in college from Lancaster. There was a girl in my at Miami from Lancaster? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What's her name? I don't remember. Let's move on, please. <laughs> Let's move on. So do you know what Lancaster's known for? Amish, right? There you go, Bri. Yes. That that it is known for the home of the Amish. Although, truth be told, it's a really nice area now. It's not that far from Philly, so a lot of the Amish have actually sold their farms there for a lot of money, right? The land, a lot of money. And they've moved more northwest, away from Philly, away from Lancaster, actually to where my wife's from. And they can buy like three times as much land, you know, because just the land value of different places. The other thing about Lancaster County that's notable, Annie Ann's soft pretzels. Annie Ann, th- those come from the Amish, like – the reason why those are Amish soft pretzels, they're delicious. And I go to like markets where they have like the real authentic. It's unbelievable how good they are. Unbelievable. But that's where they got it. That's where Ann got it. And uh, that's a whole other story. So I wonder where, Joel, you got to let me know. Where are you from, Donegal? You got to let me know where in Lancaster County you're from. So if I had to rank my teams... I, I guess he's talking about based on my experience or my affinity for them. It's definitely Buffalo one. I think I'd probably go Washington two because I both started and finished my career there. So there's something really special about when I first made the team in Washington. There's something special about finishing my career there. And I like that it was only a two and a half, two, two and a half hour drive from home. So that Washington would be number two, I think, Joel. Three would be the Dallas Cowboys. It was cool to be a Cowboy. It was cool to start the last seven games in 02 and block for Emmett Smith and have that star on the side of my helmet. I mean, the Cowboys, that's pretty sweet. Four would be the Patriots. Just didn't really play very much there. I wasn't there very long. So it's kind of hard to rank them higher than that. Last is definitely the Browns. That was not a pleasant experience to get traded there. Start the last three playoff preseason games, play well, and then get cut. I was I was surprised. I was only there for a month, to be fair, but the Browns would be last primarily because of that. Any team other than the Eagles I wanted to play for. Well, I, I certainly grew up wanting to play for the Eagles. I always thought, you know, any of like the classic teams I thought would be cool. 
I always thought it'd be cool to be a Raider. I, I thought I played like a Raider, like that mindset. Plus, I love their uniforms. And I think the Steelers would be pretty cool. Like knowing what I know now about Steelers fans and the NFL and living in central Pennsylvania now as opposed to eastern Pennsylvania where I grew up and just how big of a deal Steelers players are. You know, these guys do autograph signings around here all the time. And it's like Ryan Switzer. Like It's not like star players, but they're a Steelers, so they're popular. So probably other than the Eagles, the Raiders and Steelers jump out to me, Joel. Although at one point I really wanted to play for the Giants because my my wife was living in Hoboken. So I tried to get I tried to sign on with the Giants when I got cut by somebody. So uh good questions, Joel. Really appreciate it. That'll do it, by the way, for another awesome week here on the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. Please. Go ahead and check out Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Vision Comics with an X. They are all absolutely awesome. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 